0: Hello, oh, and welcome to Dick's Picks. I am Carter, and with me is Mr. Dick. Hello, Mr. Dick.
1: Hello. No, 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 no. It is a Carter pick, if there's ever been a Carter pick.
0: <laughs> uh, last month, we did our most recent movie yet, and uh, what is it again? <laughs> I just forgot the, the title. Unbearable the Unbearable Way, Way, of Way of Massive Talent. talent.
1: Uh, a fan pick.
0: A fan pick. And now, we are looking at our oldest movie yet. Ernst Lubitsch, To Be or Not To Be, from 1942. It's pretty uh, old. It's quite old. Not, not as old as the director. Ernst Lubitsch, born in Berlin in 1892, into a Jewish family with a Russian father and a German mother. Uh, wow. Moved to the U.S. in 1922. His breakthrough came with the emergence of the sound film in the late 20s as he established himself okay. a master of the movie musical. And later, the romantic comedy. Today, he, he is idiot, best known. Uh, silent guy. <laughs> no, he's much more of a dialogue guy, as for people who see the yep. film will be able to tell. Uh, today, he is best known for his comedies of the late 30s and 40s, uh, early 40s, including Ninochka, the first Greta Garbo comedy. Uh, the Shop Around the Corner, one of the better Christmas movies starring Jimmy Stewart. Uh, the Don Amici, Technicolor. Comedy drama. There's That's a can few wait.
1: Jimmy Stewart Christmas movies. This wow. is
0: one of the better ones. Um, okay. And today's film, To Be or Not To Be. Man. Uh, written by Melchior Lingell. What a name that is. Pretty cool. <laughs> who previously worked with Ernst Lubitsch on uh, the Nochka and Edwin Justice Meyer, who would later work with Ernst Lubitsch on a royal scandal have you have did you even, did you look up who the director was did you not even hear of lurch well, until just now or
1: <laughs> yeah because i the first name that popped up was alexander Corda, so i wrote the that producer
0: down
1: thinking thinking that was the director and uh now i know i'm wrong
0: alexander Corda was a, a titan of the british film industry um this is a british film no, no, no. It was uh, oh. it, he moved to Hollywood at the outbreak of uh, World War II and the Blitzkrieg and uh, the Battle of Britain and all that, and moved to the U.S. and still financed British films. Uh, that Hamilton woman came out just before the attack on Pearl Harbor and was sort of a movie aimed to uh, inspire American audiences to to help out their English allies. Um, okay, but very, very important British producer. Actually, originally from Hungary. Uh, his brother was a director. Um, so... the, the only name
1: uh, that I recognized was Jack Benny. Jack the, uh, Benny. Most of them yeah. were kind of like, uh, did not know anyone else. Well, I, I mean. Also did, I couldn't have picked Jack Benny
0: out of a lineup in the cast either. <laughs> you, you didn't just assume he was the star?
1: I mean, I could. I did, but <laughs> also. You know, the star had so many different outfits. So it was hard to keep track of who That's true. he was the entire time.
0: So Jack Benny was mostly a radio comedian before this. Uh, he had a very popular radio uh, comedy show. I think that was on every Sunday or something like that. And would go on to be very big in television. He was sort of like mm-hmm. the uh, John Mullaney crossed with Jimmy Fallon. Of the 40s and like 50s. Carson, uh, yeah, Johnny
1: Carson A sort of proto of Johnny
0: Carson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, I don't think quite the the format had been invented yet of the, the talk show, but it was more like a variety show, I think. I've never actually Sketch seen variety. any Jack Benny television program. No,
1: um, me neither, but we know the name.
0: Yes. Um, he's very big for people of my dad's generation, I think. Um, and also starring Carol Lombard in her final film role. Um, I have not heard of her, but woo woo. (laughs) Married to Clark Gable. Have you heard of him?
1: Yeah, I've heard of him, and I did. Andrea did a little deep dive on Carol Lombard. Oh, really? Wow. Wow.
0: Well, if you did uh, your internet research, you would know that this was her final film role. I did.
1: I did. Um, I have quite a few notes. (laughs)
0: Uh, released wide in the u.s i have have varying sources on this one i think i think the uh the sort of disagreement has come up because february 19th was the wide release while february 15th was the los angeles premiere um but if if we're assuming it came out february 19th 1942 it was released the same day as japan's bombing of the australian australian city of darwin are you familiar? With this historical event?
1: No, but that's too bad.
0: It was uh, depicted in the movie Australia, starring Hugh Jackman, if you've Wait, ever seen it. So,
1: World War II was still going on when this movie came out?
0: Oh, very much so. If yeah. you'll allow me to continue <laughs> my Wikipedia date research. Um, yeah. Less than a month after the Von Z conference, uh, which was on a very somber note, the the conference where they decided to implement the final solution, so the sort of treatment of the Jews as the sort of extermination of them was not widely known in the U.S. at the time. So there are some sort of flippant jokes about concentration camps in the movie, which <laughs> which they didn't quite understand the implications of at the time. Um, one month after the death of star Carol Lombard in a plane crash on the U.S.O. tour and 74 days after the attack on Pearl Harbor. So just recently, the U.S. had joined the war. Um, a Rotten tomato score of 96%, I think the highest we've got come is 1942 across.
1: 1942 or 1952? 1942. This movie came out in 1942? You didn't realize that when you were watching it? I thought it was 1952 the whole time.
0: Oh, you thought it was after the war? Yeah. Oh, like- <laughs> I thought that was the now, leading question. I didn't know you were being serious.
1: No, I cannot believe this <laughs> happened during World War II. This movie was made. Well, it they definitely
0: out. wouldn't have been making the concentration camp jokes if it had come out after. <laughs> I mean, that would be yes. take on a very different sort of attitude if that were the case. So crazy,
1: just <laughs> so crazy. Okay, wow,
0: wow. Yeah, I mean, which I think is what makes this movie very interesting because it's sort of dealing with the subject matter. Only like a couple years after it happened, this would be like making a movie about, I mean, almost like the invasion of Ukraine, something like that. Something that topical.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, like a yeah. comedy set in Ukraine where like Ukrainian Jeez. actors would be the main characters. So it gives it a different sort of context. That's funny. It's just like a mind blowing <laughs> revelation for you right there. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I kept reading 1952 because I was like, there's no way this movie would have come out like during the war. Oh, yeah. 1942.
0: I mean, there's I, I mean a lot of war movies about World War II came out during the time. A few comedies, um, sort of some espionage films. Night Train to Munich is a notable sort of espionage comedy that came out around this time. Um, This is a little bit
1: sp. It's it's more comedy, more sloppy (laughs) sticky. But I think I I
0: think the genre would be screwball comedy, but it sort of defies genre to a certain extent because it's also a war movie and also kind of a spy movie, espionage movie. Uh, Very ahead of its time in a lot of ways, I think.
1: It's kind of I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, but I assume it's sort of like it's kind of like Jojo Rabbit meets Inglorious
0: Bastards. It's not really any violets There's off-screen violets uh, There's a shooting or yeah. two shootings, I guess um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if Inglourious Fast is quite on the track um, There's a theater There is a theater, that's true You know, there are some tie-ins I'll give you that um, But a budget of $1.2 million, Which was not cheap at the time This is when it being a million dollar movie Was still a pretty big deal uh, probably a decent amount of that money went to uh, Carol Lombard's salary because she was a very big star at the time.
1: And Andrew said that at this time she made more than the president.
0: That's that's not surprising. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is this is firmly the golden age of Hollywood, the sort of studio system at its at its peak, and this is when actors were still generally contracted to the studio in a way mm-hmm. that they aren't really these days. we sort of actors or. Basically, like freelance workers these days, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. While back then they had like a salary, you know, week by week, and couldn't negotiate salaries for movies if they were loaned out to different production companies. Um, I, I, you know what? I didn't look up to see who produced this movie. That's on me. It might have been. I I mean, Alexander Corda produced it. So if I had to think, be independently produced? No, because he didn't. He didn't really work for a whole bunch of the American studios. I don't think. Um, but I don't want to mislead the audience with uh, with hearsay and idle speculation. Um, <laughs> you'd never seen this before. Nope. Uh, I saw this movie for the first time. Um, I think five or six years ago. I tried to watch it when I was in high school through Netflix DVD service, but I was shipped the <laughs> the remake. <laughs> and I started watching it and was like, "This movie is not from the '40s." <laughs> so.
1: You could tell. What yeah, I was like, oh, I, Mel Brooks. as a high
0: schooler, you're like, yeah, I know where
1: Mel Brooks is in the timeline.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I was discerning <laughs> enough of a 16 year old to know that Mel Brooks, while uh-huh. he was alive in 1942, was not active. Uh, who did
1: Mel Brooks play?
0: He played uh, Tora, the sort of Jack, the Jack Bitty character. And his okay, wife right. uh, played uh, the Carol Lombard character, Maria Genbra. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. so married couple played a married couple. Um, so, yeah, I've seen this movie a few times by now. This is one that comes on TCM a lot. I have this on Blu-ray, though, so that's how I watched it this time. You watched it on HBO Max, on, I assume.
1: Yep, yeah, HBO
0: It and the yeah. remake, I think, are streaming. Yeah, you were
1: very clear with me. Choose the older one <laughs> yeah. very before I watched it.
0: Yeah, watch Although, the one that looks know, just, old.
1: How long is the opening credits on the newer one? Because uh, the opening credits on this one, maybe two minutes, three minutes of just like someone, it was sort of like hold, someone holding up a poster board with everyone's names on it. It was like the end credits. At the <laughs> that's, that's
0: sort of how they are. Though. I guess you don't watch a whole <laughs> lot of movies from the 40s. That's I was looking for the
1: skip intro button, but they haven't added it for movies on HBO Max yet.
0: No, because back in the day, you know, now we do the credits for most movies we do this credits sort of afterwards we'll do like the title card and maybe like the yeah. stars and the director at the beginning and the producer like yeah. a Joel Silver production but back in the day they used to just show everybody that. we
1: don't have yeah <laughs> we don't beginning. have the
0: attention span anymore <laughs> you're like get rid of this credits I don't care who was the you know the assistant supervisor or the makeup artist for Miss uh-uh. Lombard <laughs> No. <laughs> um, so we're gonna get into the plot right here. If you would rather watch the movie first, you can go ahead and pause and watch it on HBO Max. But uh, the best part of this movie is the jokes, and we won't really be able to capture.
1: Uh, no, I recommend watching it. They have good delivery, and you know, uh, they there are a lot of like repetitive jokes, like you said, like yes, a lot of callbacks, like uh you know, using the same line in different situations to the same to different effect, but still funny. Each time That's, that's like, one of
0: the biggest payoffs Is a sort of repetitive joke about uh, Concentration camps Yeah. Um, oh yeah <laughs> Which the last time they deliver It absolutely cracks me up every time um, Yep But here we go To be or not to be 1942 um, We open with narration As we shockingly see Adolf Hitler in Warsaw, Poland While the countries are still at peace uh, How much did this sort of opening throw you The first time you watched it
1: to oh shit, Hitler's was just
0: there. <laughs> That's where I thought Giorgio Rabbit's situation uh-huh.
1: was happening. And I was like, I mean, did they they had some song that started where it was about yeah, it was Hitler. by
0: Chopin. Uh is that right? I can't remember. The sort of the, over the opening credits is a piece by Chopin. Yeah. Who's a Polish uh composer? But it started,
1: it was all about like Hitler, loving stuff, blah blah blah. It reminded me of that <laughs> Shia LaBeouf youtube video where it's sheila Buff's a cannibal where it's kind of like (laughs) yeah leading you around it's great he's uh it's a sheila Buff. he's hunting you in the forest shia LaBeouf. yeah you gotta check that out but that's what this song reminded me of and i you know then then they go in and they have we find out we find out why well yeah yeah we, we go backwards and we find out why and you're thinking, oh, sh- these Nazis are really sneaky bringing children in to rap <laughs> on their parents for a toy, uh-huh. which is probably real. But uh, we find out it is part of a uh, a new production in yes. Warsaw that they're about brand to put new. on. Brand,
0: called brand Gestapo is the name Gestapo. of the play. A yeah. satirical play about Nazi Germany. Where um, they have a good joke about Hitler where
1: they say... Uh, Napoleon was a brandy. cracker, a brandy. Mussolini was a cracker. Hitler's going to become a cheese. Uh huh. Something, something it's like a that. natural
0: thought. Natural uh, thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, while this rehearsals are going on, the director is convinced that the actor playing Hitler doesn't look like Hitler. Uh, <laughs> to prove the resemblance, he says, "I know I look like Hitler." The actor walks out onto the street, convincing and terrifying. Everyone on the streets of Warsaw, until a little girl recognizes him and deflates the situation.
1: As the famous actor asks him, asks him for his autograph, <laughs> uh-huh. but the director also said, points to a picture of Hitler and says, "You should look like that guy." <laughs> and the actor says, "That's a picture of me."
0: <laughs> so this it's sort of like airplane, where it's just like a joke, like every like ten seconds, it's just like nonstop. for the
1: first for the first bit.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it, we get some more serious parts down the line. Um, yeah. The well known stars of the theater company are actor Joseph Tura and his wife Maria, and they are currently performing Hamlet while they're working on Gestapo. Uh, they still need to do a play every night. Um, Tura is every in the title single. role of Hamlet. Uh, one of the actors, Bronsky, commiserates with colleague Greenberg about being limited to the roles of spear carriers. Greenberg, who is uh, implied to be Jewish, reveals he has always dreamed of playing Shylock in The Merchant of Venice. Do you remember Mm -hmm. the lines? Uh,
1: They come back many times, but Uh I did not write
0: them down. If you you prick us, do we not bleed? bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? Very famous lines. This is a very literate movie. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, Um, this... uh, we were really glazing over the Kara Lombard. Oh, well, we're, we're getting to it. She had it going on. <laughs> well,
0: and she receives I, I, but, a letter from Lieutenant Stanislav Sobinski. Yeah. Uh, and invites him to visit her into the dressing room. Uh, when Tura lady. begins his or not to be uh um, Sobinski gets up <laughs> and goes back to the dressing room, causing an existential crisis. And, uh, Tura.
1: Yeah if you're an actor if Someone walks out on you saying the most Famous <laughs> line What are you going to do uh,
0: um, He's convinced He's uh, losing his ability To act because of this walkout um, And he's I the think great, The great Polish actor The great great <laughs> Polish actor Joseph Tura. great great Polish actor yeah. uh, The government issues orders to cancel Gestapo uh, In order to avoid possibly Worsening relations with Germany
1: You're skipping over uh, the airman in the back room. No, this happens again. It's the next night. (laughs) No, because, but we see him in the room the first night. Yes, yes. And it's entirely platonic. Yeah, no, he loves her because he knows her as an actress, and he's an insane fan. And he's just like he takes her for well, rides how, in his farmhouses. Yeah. Let me tell me all about this thing that you said in that article three years ago. Blah blah blah. I loves <laughs> her, and then the next day he takes her up on a plane crash. Uh, or on a plane, plane. run. No, she went on a plane crash the next uh, in real life. Yes, um, those are Freudian that was a Freud slip. slip. But then the next night during the play, he goes back, he gets up in the to-to-be or not-to-be speech mm-hmm. to go back and talk to her. Make it Tura even angrier. is traumatic. <laughs> he is traumatized.
0: It throws him off. He starts sort of yelling it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether and it is during- no
1: blur- Yes. And, okay, so in between the first night and the second night, the censor of Poland comes by and says you can't put on this Gestapo play Hitler's going to be pissed off and he's going to invade us so they're all pissed off and they're like well we were going to open tonight but I guess we'll go back to the tried and true Shakespeare and they do Hamlet again and uh, the airman goes back and sees Maria and I think they smooch because
0: they had just gone up on the plane earlier and well they smooch after war is declared I believe because he's
1: got to go off to war because he's the airman yes he oh she's really into him because uh (laughs) his ability to he says uh he says i hope you forgive me if i acted a little clumsy but this is the first time i've ever met an actress and she says lieutenant this is the first time i've ever met a man who could drop three tons of dynamite in two minutes (laughs) Bye.
0: a little bit of uh, a new there hmm oh. yeah. <laughs> uh so war is declared. Sabinski leaves the Polish to join the RAF the Polish division. And the actors take shelter as Warsaw is bombed. I think these Mr. are some very Tua affecting... storms
1: back into Mrs. Tua's dressing room and says it happened again. Oh yeah. Someone <laughs> left her to be or not to be, because he doesn't know that the war has happened, and then all the sirens break loose and they huddle we
0: we can't cover every joke this will take longer than the running time of the movie (laughs)
1: fine you're right but but the love triangle is pretty central to it's crucial yes this sets up
0: the whole sort of element Mm -hmm. of uh, all the mechanisms of the plot sort of come from this this love triangle and Mm -hmm. soon to be a love quadrangle possibly
1: Mm. Uh, Um, i mean pentagon (laughs) you know it keeps everyone wants
0: a piece of maria well she's like the only woman actor in the movie
1: She's never met a Gestapo who she's never flustered.
0: <laughs> it's true. Um, man. But we get some, I think, very affecting sort of shots of, of Warsaw bombed, um, which mm-hmm. I think stand in the sharp contrast to some of the criticism that will be revealed later um, of being so sort of flippant about the invasion of Poland. I don't think it is. Um, Bronski and Greenberg despair over the ruins of the bombed capital. I think we get some more Shakespeare from Greenberg. Uh, Sobinski and his fellows Meet the Polish resistance leader Professor, professor Zaletski A lot of sort of comedy is made From how Basically all Polish names sound the same uh, We get yes. them in the opening sort of credits Or opening narration um, When he goes uh, Rosnanski, so Poznanski, Lominski, Kubinski Lewinsky
1: yeah.
0: Bronski yeah. <laughs> It's all ski Um But he meets Professor Zilecki. Uh, Zilecki will soon return to Warsaw, and the men all give him messages in the addresses of their loved ones to be delivered. However, Sabinski becomes suspicious when he wants to give a message to Maria Tura, and Zilecki does not know who she is. She's so
1: famous. She's the most famous actress
0: there is. Uh At least in Poland. Um, He expresses his reservations to the sort of Allied hike man. They share that they've been suspicious. And uh, now they know that he has all the addresses of the relatives of the Polish airmen whom uh, reprisals reprisals can be taken um, if the Nazis get it in their hands. So Sabinsky flies back to Warsaw to warn Maria. However, Soletsky has Maria brought to him by German soldiers and passes on Sabinsky's message to her. This is when it, it starts to heat up a little bit.
1: I'm so uh, confused about all these, uh, these skis. the skis. The skis, yeah. So, so
0: the airman Seletsky's the, the one with the beard and the glasses. And Sabinsky yeah. is the let's airman. call him the professor. The professor. <laughs> the professor is a bad guy spy
1: for yes. the Gestapo. Yes. And the airman is the one who is trying to hook up with actress Maria. Yes. And the airman played by the guy there.
0: who plays a pilot in the airplane. 35 years later. Wow.
1: Well, yeah. Ca- typecasting much? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the airman goes back to Warsaw, parachutes, it's very dramatic. Yes. And he's supposed to leave a, a message in Anna Karenina. of the, of the professor for the underground in Warsaw yeah. in a book, but he gets run off by some Gestapo. And then the next thing we do see is Maria going and leaving the picture in the book. And, yes. a grandma, and I think, wow, she was in the underground the whole time. <laughs> but no, the airman had got to her and given her the picture for her to leave in the book. Uh, but as she's returning back to her apartment where the airman is and uh, Mr. Tua is not, uh, she she is taken by Miss Xapo to where the professor is holed up at a big old fancy hotel.
0: Who was very taken with her. He
1: just. He hadn't
0: even seen her at this point, had he? I don't think so, but as soon as he sees her, he's a real horn dog. Uh, I mean he does not express her. he's not very shy about uh his interest.
1: They are all horn dogs. They are all <laughs> like, let me order everything on the menu. We're gonna eat in the hotel
0: room. Um while Maria is away, uh Tura comes back home and finds the pilot in his bed. Um he does an amazing triple take when he sees him for the first time. Uh he <laughs> comes the, back, causes The music was
1: great. The music was great so. with that scene. Yeah, cuz it was just like him looking up, at, looking at the man, looking down, looking up, and then he wakes him up by saying to be or not to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Cuz he knows.
1: It's like a Pavlovian
0: he response.
1: He recognizes him and then the airman gets stands up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so here's an, he's going to go see his, his sweetheart, so he thinks. Um, the wife comes back. They have a bit of a fracas, but it's expressed to Tura that it's a matter of national importance that uh, that he does what uh, his wife tells him to do, which is to mm-hmm. kidnap the professor. Um, he's, he says he's going to kill Seletsky, but he, at the end of the day, he wants to know what this is all about. Later, a member of the company, disguised as a Gestapo officer, summons the professor to "quote unquote" Gestapo headquarters, which is actually the Polska Theater.
1: Uh, I was was very confused (laughs) by this.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of dressing up in the German uniforms and stuff
1: like that. There's so much, and it's they, you know, it. They're such good actors and such good Gestapo actors. It's hard to tell the difference who's real and who's not real.
0: But then when the Gestapo actually shows up, the guy who plays it is like kind of insanely over the top. Yeah, um,
1: doesn't drink, doesn't smoke.
0: <laughs> just like all Fuva.
1: Just like um, all
0: <laughs> Tura pretends to be Colonel Earhart of the Gestapo, better known as Concentration Camp Earhart. Um Silecki reveals, Sabinsky's, or sorry, the professor reveals the airman's message for Tura and that uh, it is to be or not to be. Which Joseph Tura picks up instantly what this means and becomes very flustered, um, very upset that this is sort of, but also a little relieved that it wasn't his bad acting um, that caused the guy to get up. That there was
1: a moral it was just motive. his wife,
0: just <laughs> yeah. <high. laughs> it wasn't him. It was just his wife who got faithful. Much less yeah. of a deal. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, he has a hard time controlling himself after after he reveals this. Becomes very flustered. And just keeps repeating over and over so they call me concentration camp earhart. i think he yeah. says it like six times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um the professor real realizes this is sort of all a ploy i can't remember exactly what what trips him up oh
1: uh, he says that um well the airmen. It may be with the wife, but that's no matter. It's only the husband who should care. Who should? Oh, be that great,
0: great <laughs> Polish actor. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the professor tries to escape uh, There's sort of a chase through the theater, but ultimately, the airman kills him.
1: Uh, uh, that, I, that wasn't as, as impressive as a death death scene as I had <laughs> hoped for. Because it <laughs> well, is the it is. The professor runs onto the stage and behind the curtains and is chased by the airman, At which point, we hear a gunshot and, oh, and uh, one of the stage hands goes and pulls the curtain up. And you see the professor standing there with a bullet wound. And he just, I'm like, oh, the curtain rose. He's going to have a crazy death scene. <laughs> now he just plops over. Just uh, just
0: pops over. Well, it's very it's very sort of theatrical the way it's said, where you don't actually see the the gun go off mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, now they're in a bit of a spot though because uh, the professor needed to meet the real professor. Her. Um, mm-hmm. Tura disguises himself as a professor, uh, destroying the extra copy of information, and he needs to go get the duplicate, which is going to be sent. Uh, to the Fuhrer in Berlin um, disguises himself as a professor and meets Erhard's adjutant Captain Schultz and is taken to meet him um, Tura successfully passes himself off uh, is asked about the leaders of the underground and keeps naming uh, people who were just executed um, you know how he
1: passes himself off he just repeats exactly <laughs> what the professor said to him as he was Erhard uh-huh. it reminded me of did you ever you ever hear of Darren brown that British mentalist no he he defeated uh like four five out of nine chess masters by playing them in a row and just playing what the previous chess master played against him against the next chess master <laughs> in, in a loop. So that's sort of how Tura gets through this situation. He just, he just keeps remembers. repeating what people said before. But and the best part of that is he tells the real car colonel that in London they call him what are they, Concent- concentration, concentration camp Earhart. And you know what the colonel says? So they call me concentration camp Ur-Hart. and He goes and just he, as he, I expected. Yeah. <laughs> He really embodies
0: the, the character. No, he re- he's an amazing actor. Everyone keeps calling him a ham, but every time mm-hmm. he's put up to the test, he passes with flying colors. He really is cold-blooded.
1: He's very <laughs> chill. Yes. For, um, for finding out someone's bone in his wife and he's in near-death situations, he's just on top of it.
0: Um, later, uh, Maria meets heart who informs her that they have found the professor's corpse in the theater. Uh, Tura unaware of this uh telephones Earhart for a meeting the next day uh still masquerading as a professor uh Earhart decides to expose Tura as the imposter by showing him into a room where he finds the body of the professor of <laughs> uh, Tura who has an extra fake beard shaves off the professor's beard applies the fake beard to the dead body um when Earhart comes back in the room there's this whole sort of well before he mock interrogates in him
1: he's there with uh, Earhart's there with some guards who are like why are we doing this why is he just are we just letting him in here why aren't we breaking his bones and he says well I would say with intellectuals the mental approach is sometimes more effective and much quicker but they and they say but if he shouldn't turn out to be an intellectual, To which our heart says, then we try a little physical culture. But he, he is an intellectual. He, he's just wiggling his way out everywhere. Did you choose this movie because it's like a, a good follow-up to Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? Because
0: oh, With it, acting
1: being such a big part. Acting voice. is <laughs> such a transferable skill that makes you a hero in any situation.
0: I didn't, I didn't think I of it, but that's an incredible sort of connection yeah. that you've made here. Because it is really similar because we do get sort of some of the espionage uh, mm-hmm. in Unbearable Weight. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he keeps his acting pants on And goads Earhart Into pulling off Or at least testing uh, The beard on the dead body uh, Earhart pulls it off Convinces him That Tura is the real professor uh, He's very mm-hmm. cross at his assistance For this despite it being his plan For this whole thing to happen and um, he's about to get off scotch free
1: Yes But the rest of the troop Knowing that he's in a trap Come dressed as Nazi Gestapo and say, Oh, look, this guy isn't the professor. Uh-huh. They pull off his big beard. They say, Here's a man with a beard, and you didn't even pull it.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that'll, that'll come back in my best quotes. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I know that's
1: a real life lesson.
0: <laughs> and yeah, anytime you come across someone with a beard, you might as well just pull it. They might be mm-hmm. they might be trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Um. They can't leave Poland as planned because the original plan was um, for... Erhard was going
1: to give him a plane.
0: Yes. Turo was going to continue to try to be the professor and assuming that his cover had not been blown, flying back to England. Um, But they come up with another plan. The Germans stage a show to honor Hitler during his visit to Poland uh, after they've successfully conquered it. Um, And the actors... Slip into the theater disguised, disguised as Germans And hide until Hitler and his entourage arrive And take their seats uh, As the Germans are singing their national anthem Greenberg suddenly appears And rushes Hitler's box Causing enough of a distraction to exchange the actors For the real Germans uh, Acting As the head of Hitler's guard Who demands to know what Greenberg wants Giving the actor his chance to deliver The speech by Shylock Ending mm. with if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? I love the way he delivers it. in That part, uh, Tura orders Greenberg to be taken away. Uh, he, acting as sort of chief of security, he tells the Fuhrer that he should leave at this moment.
1: Well, they have a they have the Hitler actor. Back.
0: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Bronski. Pretending is, to be Hitler and back pretending, and he's very passable. Well, so especially because well, he doesn't speak, he, but he well, acts very well Hitler, silently.
1: Real Hitler is in the booth. Yep. They. So that is, yeah, I guess, I another
0: inglorious bastards uh, connection. You get, you get. Hitler yeah, I thought they were the going to blow the place up. Well.
1: <laughs> especially when uh they, well, they didn't blow the place up, but they got away in uh-huh. the, the car to go pick up Maria, where
0: she. And but then the resistance the, blows up somebody, don't they? I can't they remember. They what the blow up a is. railroad. Oh, the that's, resistance okay. does,
1: um, and. Uh, uh, Maria is there with the Colonel and yes. the Colonel Is saying um, did you know Blah 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 Did you know the professor was a Fake blah 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 uh-huh. And he is taken back by her And just wants to smooch her and give her a Bracelet when and she said this. she's
0: waiting for someone Who's not mm-hmm. her husband and now it goes Oh now I have to stay <laughs> Yeah what a freak <laughs> <laughs> um, But as this is happening bronsky enters costume as hitler walks out speechless shocked at the the situation in front of him uh Erhard obviously believes she's hitler's mistress uh mm-hmm. maria runs after him going look what you did i how could i tell you um Erhard, out of shame and desperation shoots himself unfortunately the only ward (laughs) wounds himself and screams out to his assistant schultz (laughs) schultz has been screwing him up the whole time so (laughs) he can only blame him uh, at this point also um the actors take off in hitler's plane uh on on the way over uh bronski still disguises hitler Tells the pilots to jump out, which they have The pilots, do. and then the uh, the,
1: <laughs> the pilot Polish takes over Takes over
0: Accidentally flies into Scotland, they catch some Some air flag um, Yeah, but
1: the, a Nazi plane <laughs> Yes,
0: but the hero of the day Tura is asked by the British what he would like for saving the underground Movement, and uh, Maria Says that he wants to play Hamlet um, While performing I'm, I'm guessing we're assuming it's At the Globe or, you know that's something, fancy, something yeah. fancy yeah um right when he's doing or he sees the pilot in the audience as he starts to be or not to be he's very happy he's not getting up but as he proceeds the audience is distracted as a different handsome young enough young officer gets up and noisily heads backstage uh yeah. <laughs> nice recurring joke we always yeah. get the callbacks in this movie um but there's, you know, there's like a million jokes. You tried to to get in as many as you could. Um I mean, this is one of the funniest too. movies I've ever seen, I think. It was uh, quick too. Like um
1: I think this was our fastest synopsis maybe. Oh, you, you think know, so? <laughs> Cuz like the movie was it it had some it didn't have many twists and turns. No, it's some questions it zips. Yeah, It just goes by really fast. It you didn't have a lot of unanswered things that it wasn't a, everything was kind of answered not on, a lot so. of
0: fat the plot nope. sort of logically <laughs> as, as illogical as it might seem I, I'd say the
1: most confusing part was just keeping all of them straight old actors
0: well because you know you you don't i mean a lot of these guys are in sort of comedies of the 30s but as a modern audience member you can't really distinguish between them and just like
1: with the black and white and they all kind of look like older than they actually are and you have no idea how old they are or who they are they all kind of like the same
0: all right there's
1: no distinguishing features
0: we're done with the plot before we get into everything else we are going to take a short break We are back from our, our very brief break. Uh, we've gotten a little bit into it, but uh, your reaction is very positive from what it seems. You're not a big consumer of black and white movies, I assume.
1: No, no. <laughs>
0: is this one of the I, better you've seen, you think? And hold us up probably better than, than most sort of old movies you've seen. Like, Have you seen like Gone with the Wind? That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, It's much more sort of modern um, feeling than that, I would assume. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'd say that the, like, sort of flippantness that it takes on the situation is a very kind of modern, sarcastic mood, sort of, yes. that I, I felt like um, throughout. And I thought that's that was pretty entertaining and um, made, kept me interested.
0: Yeah, I feel, I, I feel like it's very ahead of its time, and it's sort of yeah. uh, black comedy. Which you don't really find You get it uh, in some way Like Arsenic and Old Lace Is a sort of a comedy About uh, old women murdering people Um, But those kind of comedies Are very much the outliers Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean most of the stuff You get around this time Are sort of traditional Sort of screwball romantic comedies Like Philadelphia Story Stuff like that Which are you know The precursors to the modern Romantic comedy Uh, What Thomas Schatz Would call genres of integration uh, are you familiar with, with genre theory?
1: <laughs> I am not.
0: So, uh, well, we got, all right, I was going to get into this in a, in a deep dive, but I'll just very quickly go on to this because I do think this is a nice sort of merging of the two sort of uh, modes of genre that Thomas Schatz uh, theorizes. You have genres of integration, which are represented mostly by uh, musicals and romantic comedies. Uh, sort of the point of all genres is to present Uh, Characters and situations that audience members Are somewhat familiar with to sort of express An idea about society becoming sort of more ordered So in romantic comedies and musicals That's almost always through the union of two romantic leads Who at the beginning of the movie are at odds with each other But in their sort of individualities Represent positive characteristics and through their synthesis at the end of the movie sort of express the ideal combination of masculine and feminine sort of characteristics do you think that's something i think you can still sort of see in modern mana comedies do you agree with that
1: yeah but then you saying that musicals have the same
0: they did and at this time that basically all musicals were stuff about like courtship except for backstage musicals which were more about sort of uh the business and the sort of ins and outs of so, pursuing a career in the theater. So, so you have really backstage musicals is, and sort of romantic musicals. and this is uh, about
1: the genre <laughs> the genre Venn diagram is that yes. what we're talking about and how? Yes. Some so that's that's
0: much. a genre of integration. So the yeah. genre of order yeah. is represented by uh, sort of cop dramas, war movies, westerns. Uh, these are, I think, are a little more easily identifiable because in all of these, you see a contested space is what he calls it. This might be like a war zone or a town in the old west that's sort of lawless or a city that needs like a policeman to clean it up. And in those situations, a almost always a male character, not almost always, always a male character will sort of show up and through his sort of stolid uh, authoritarian masculinity, uh, sort of rescue the community that, without the crime, would represent good American virtues of you know community and fellowship and hardworkingness, and usually this is sort of represented by like various immigrants and stuff like that. And these are called genres of order. Which, while on the other one, you have the synthesis of a romantic capital couple expressing uh sort of society at its best now you have a masculine sort of lawgiver bringing order to a previously chaotic uh milieu if you want to be academic with the description uh, you does that sound like it holds up for you the genre sure. of order uh and sure. i think in this we sort of get a synthesis because it's not a genre of integration in that the man and the woman are already married at the beginning of the movie so it's not sort of leading up to their union. And actually at the end of the movie, uh, <laughs> she's still sort of philandering on him.
1: Yeah, it's not really about them coming together or any sort of romance at all.
0: No. And so that's how it's a little bit subversive because most screwball comedies mm-hmm. like the Philadelphia story or um, bringing a baby sort of always result in the, the sort of zany romantic leads getting together. Uh, But this Mm -hmm. is also sort of a genre of order because we have the contested space, which is Poland after the invasion. Um, And while they don't bring order to Poland, they do allow the resistance to continue and, uh, you know, (laughs) sort of unveil uh, a spy and at the end of the day, escape and, you know, keep the underground alive, keep the pilot alive. Um, so in that way, it's sort of it's genre a genre border. Uh,
1: I don't know if that's like a, a subversive uh, depiction of a romantic relationship as well. It is because it seems like you know he's his wife is always kind of stepping out on him. <laughs> well, but uh, she's she never she's actually just cheats on him, she's though, just yeah. flirting, and and maybe that's just the life of like actors. You know, yes. And, so in that and way, it's so, also
0: sort of a backstage thing mm-hmm. as it's so about the inner that. workings of the stage so it combines a lot of different sort of elements of genre um mm-hmm. which i think elevates it because it's not one thing you can't really pin it down but i think it also does sort of achieve what genre is trying to sort of um achieve through its sort of thematic elements with uh bringing order to a chaotic space and uh even though they don't start off as not uh a couple that end up being a couple Tura and Maria <laughs> represent different elements of, of being actors and are heroic in their different ways. Um, so I went on for much longer than I meant to on this, but I think it is sort of interesting to think about this in terms of genre because in a lot of ways it, uh, like you said, is sort of a Venn diagram. But in a lot of ways also it subverts these genres and plays with them in interesting ways. Yeah. When um, I
1: watch these, I don't really think I don't think about genre. I just mainly think about. Um... You Are know, uh, are there cool explosions? Are the characters <laughs> interesting? Yeah. Is there other are there, are there hotties?
0: Genres um, don't yeah. really exist in the same way now that they used to. The only mm-hmm. real genres we have now, I think, are superhero movies. Because romantic I mean romantic comedy still exists, but um, we had a heyday in the early 2000s with those that I think we've sort of moved past. Romantic uh, comedies? Yeah. We still get From some come back.
1: bros is coming out
0: at the end of the month which one bros the the first gay studio romantic comedy
1: i'm pumped for that i'm gonna see that i'm also (laughs) gonna see the george clooney julia roberts one and i've heard that's good the uh flight attendant pete davidson one that's kind of that's i think that's (laughs) out already
0: so yeah but i think you know some of those that things still work with not in the same way because the screwball comedy is very much like opposites sort of coming together at the end as a synthesis and you get that with some like 10 Things I Hate About You definitely does that um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going too long on this so we're, <laughs> we're going to move on to best of Wikipedia um, we've got most of this will be contemporary criticism but there's a few I've other got
1: criticisms. the best of Wikipedia Okay, I've got it and it's all about Carol Lombard's death <laughs> okay Andrea and I were watching this, and you know, for as long as she lasted, which was uh, not long after she got on Wikipedia to look up Carol Lombard, because I was very interested in finding out how old she was during the filming. Uh-huh. And I guess she was only 32. Yeah. But you know, old timey clothes, the black and white pictures, they age people up.
0: Yes. Um, Smoking.
1: Then Andrea discovered that she died very uh, soon after the filming of this movie. Yes. And her death was pretty dramatic. Yes. She would, she had gone back to her home state of Indiana for a war bond rally with her mom and Clark Gable's press agent. Clark Gable, her husband's press agent. <laughs> she raised two million dollars in defense bonds in that night and was scheduled to go back to Los Angeles by train. But being a uh teptuous, perpetuous, wild actress, she said. A train will take too long. I want to take a flight. But her mom and Clark Gable's press agent were afraid of flights. And Lombard said, Well, why don't we flip a coin? Uh they agreed, and Lombard won the for them to take a flight. Uh pretty disappointing for them in the end. Also, I I, I'm i willing to bet she had one of those two-faced coins.
0: Oh, um, you think so? It was always so, determined. She was never going to let luck determine it. I mean, yeah.
1: If you're just running around uh, uh, offering flipping to coins. Flip coins to make decisions, <laughs> you, you're you doing something fun. I think that maybe that's something um,
0: people used to do more. Uh, or maybe she
1: pre- had, because there's a way to do it so it's always heads. You like do it at a weird angle. I mean, she she's so, a show
0: business. I could see her in yep, that. show business. Right.
1: She, so they get on the plane and they refuel in Las Vegas yep. and then they crash on a peak on a mountain. And the reason why is because they were flying overnight and uh, the crew was unable to navigate over the mountains because all the signal lights over the mountains were clo- were turned off because of the possibility of Japanese bomber yep.
0: aircraft. Yeah. coming
1: into pacific space so
0: uh, uh take world training. war ii is a dangerous time to be flying a few british generals were shot over I, uh the i Atlantic. mean i had heard andrew
1: told me that and i still thought what were the japanese doing threatening <laughs> us in 1952 i did not know <laughs> I, can't believe that didn't... <laughs> I did not oh <laughs> none of
0: it none of it none of it clicked for me that's funny <laughs> Surely, oh, that's, <laughs> that's bizarre, Warbucks. Huh? But then, Maria. <laughs> this
1: was this was the fact that Andrea thought was very, very like gossip. Good gossip was that after her death, Clark Gable remarried twice, and then even after he remarried twice, uh, uh, he decided to be buried next to her when he died.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, that is that's pretty,
1: I said. If she died and if Andrea died and I remarried, then I would still
0: get buried next to her. Yeah, (laughs) it's very romantic.
1: Yeah, she laughed and then stopped watching the movie with me.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, that was quite a breakdown. Um, My Carol Lombard bit is that she was cast late in the process after Miriam Hopkins left the production, uh, apparently because she thought Jack Benny got all the jokes and was jealous now i gotta look up miriam hopkins (laughs) she had been in a couple of Lubitsch movies before that um to be or not to be now regarded as one of the best films of Lubitsch, benny's and lombard's career was not well received by the public many of whom could not understand the notion of making fun out of such a real threat as the nazis according to jack benny's unfinished memoir this is some real excellent wikipedia research uh, his own father walked out of the theater early in the film, disgusted that his son was in a Nazi uniform, and vowed not to set foot in the theater again. Benny convinced him otherwise, and his father ended up loving the film, saw it 46 times. He was keeping count.
1: That's uh, that's also like, I feel like that's a sentiment that m- remains. Like, everyone was pissed off at Taika for dressing up as Hitler. It's true. Um, like you know, There's just some people you don't I guess, pretend to be.
0: Well, imagine for, how sore it must have been in 1942. Well,
1: um, yeah, we needed the censor to come in and say, don't release this movie. Uh, Hitler's going to come to town. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. um, <laughs> some contemporary criticism. Bosley Crowther of the New York Times, very famous critic. Uh, uh, I think wrote for the New York Times up until the 60s. Um, wrote that it was hard to imagine how anyone can take, without batting an eye, Shattering air raid upon Warsaw, right after a sequence of farce or spectacle of Mister Benny playing a comedy scene with a Gestapo corpse. Mister Lubich has an odd sense of humor and a tangled. Spirit. I thought that was hilarious. Film. That was hilarious. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was against was against sensibilities.
1: Yeah, I, he just
0: he had a very old timey sensibility, no dead bodies kind of thing, which. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer called the film a callous tasteless effort to find fun in the bombing of Warsaw I don't think they're trying to find fun in the bombing of Warsaw that sequence is no I think very tastefully done uh, no it's sort of more taking the piss out of the Nazis and showing the Polish is very really heroic show
1: people. a lot of the bombing they just had air raid sirens and then yeah well then they like, show the, the I mean, aftermath, the aftermath uh, but
0: and Greenberg and Bronski sort of looking over it and uh being very sad. Uh, yeah. John Masher of The New Yorker praised the film. He said that comedy could be planted in Warsaw at the time of its fall, of its conquest by the Nazis, and not seem too incongruous to be endured is a Lubitsch triumph. Yeah. I think the balancing is perfectly achieved. Um, in 1943, the year the, after...
1: The, this criticism remains because i remember when inglorious bastards came out my dad was like but you know it's factually it's historically inaccurate people are going to go to this movie and think that this stuff actually happened (laughs) that we and i like it this seeing this movie i now realize that that sort of stuff historical fictional realistic movies always happened and oh yeah you just have to
0: go to be aware it's a movie at the end of the day it's a movie It's movie Um, magic. It's it's a movie. Um, In 1943, the year after, another Philadelphia Inquirer critic, Mildred Martin, uh, referred derogatively to Lubitsch's German birth and his comedies about Nazis in Poland, um, saying that it was not really his space to be uh, making a comedy about Nazis in Poland. Uh, Lubitsch responded by publishing an open letter to the newspaper in which he wrote, What I have satirized in this picture are the Nazis and their ridiculous ideology. I've also satirized the attitude of actors who always remain actors, regardless of how dangerous the situation might be, which I believe is a true observation. It can be argued if the tragedy of Poland, realistically portrayed as in to be or not to be, can be merged with satire. I believe it can be, and so do the audience, which I observed during a screening of to be or not to be, but this is a matter of debate and everyone is entitled to his point of view. But it is certainly a far cry from the Berlin-born director who finds fun in the bombing of Warsaw. Listen to that sort of pre-internet age conciliation. This is a matter of debate. Yeah. Everyone is entitled to his point of view. You don't really hear that anymore.
1: <laughs> no, not at
0: all. Um, this movie has been adapted quite a few times. The first time, merely a year after its release, it was adapted into a radio drama, uh, which is oh, okay. correct. William Powell. Uh, as previously mentioned, the film was remade in 1983 with the same title, starring Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. Uh, a Bollywood version, I can imagine that might be a little more offensive than this one. Uh, pardon the pronunciation, Man Gaye Mughal Azam was released in 2008. Uh, <laughs> a stage version, Also titled To Be or Not To Be opened at Broadway in 2008. And I think there's also been a production in Hungary. Uh, So some staying power for To Be or Not. Yeah. Up yours, Bosley Crowther. Yeah, Um, screw you. (laughs) IDB trivia. This is a a very rich uh, trivia section. I can imagine uh, how excited these people were to post this after reading it in a book or on the internet somewhere. Or just making it up. Because you can't tell Mm -hmm. the difference in IMDb Trivia. You cannot. (laughs) Um, Because Carol Lombard died in a plane crash while the movie was in post-production, the filmmakers decided to cut out a line that had her character ask, what can happen in a plane?
1: Well, that was... Yeah, but it was referring to her hooking up with the airman. Yes. So it's it's just, I guess... You think that's being
0: overly sensitive? She was a big star. I think maybe your fans wouldn't have liked it. Yeah, um, they
1: probably wouldn't have liked it. You're right. That's that's respectful.
0: Uh when war breaks out in Poland, there's a scene where gravestones are destroyed by the bombing. One of the gravestones that is shattered has the name Benjamin Kubelski, which is Jack Benny's birth name. I guess that's wow. what Benny. Comes from. Benjamin was his real name. Yeah. That's a nice little touch. Wow. That's something I never would have known. Wow. <laughs>
1: No, how do you have zoom in? Are they <laughs> no, I don't even really remember
0: at... there being headstones anywhere.
1: I mean, uh, frame by frame, microscope. Like
0: This might be entirely made up, that one. Um, I'm going to skip the next one because it's very long. Uh, Walter Wanger was slated to produce this film. However, when he uh, his busy schedule intervened, Alexander Corda took over and reportedly contributed a hundred thousand dollars of his own money to the production. So okay, that's a bit like George Harrison with Life of Brian. Like he just wanted to see the movie, so we paid for it. Um, I thought Smart this was interesting. To, I don't, don't know if this, this
1: definitely was... made money. This this had to have made money, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, okay. it connects to our next one, which is okay. true is quite interesting. Um, with this film, <laughs> if true. Uh, Carol Lombard became a pioneer in the now common practice of working for a percentage, uh, something you don't get with Netflix movies because there is no box office, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is why they cost so much because everyone needs to be paid up front. Um, mm-hmm. in lieu of her usual fee of 125,000 Lombard accepted 75,000 and just over 4% of the film's eventual profits. Uh, while she tragically died in the plane crash, uh, Clark Gable got those checks uh, and eventually received fifty-seven thousand three hundred seven dollars when the film proved to box office hit. So she made so just about thirty thousand dollars more than she would have. Wait, 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 wait!
1: She took seventy-five. She made
0: fifty-seven. In addition to the seventy-five, yeah.
1: And she her oh, so she made seven thousand. My math
0: terrible was was terrible right there. <laughs> she made an extra seven thousand, which isn't a, a huge amount, but. She didn't I mean, make more, yeah. She could have made
1: higher upside, more upside, yeah.
0: More yeah. upside, and if she had gotten five, if she had negotiated five percent, that's probably where the the studio was like, No, 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 four mm-hmm. <laughs> percent is enough for you. Uh, the bumbling Colonel Earhart, played by Sig Ruman, uh, who had previously been at Nanochka and uh, is seen in some other Ernst Lubach, he was pretty great.
1: He was just kind of like, <laughs> he was just kind of like your middle, man- regular middle management guy who's just like, he told the joke about Hitler to uh to, the, Sh- to Schultz. Know, thing. He never told it to oh minister, to no uh, 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 pretending to, to be, be, to be the professor, uh, professor yeah. pretending to be the professor and <laughs> that kid, he was just kind of a bumbling guy that was just trying to maintain his power, uh-huh. which was funny and it, it made sense for him to just it made him play into tourist pocket yes. kind of thing because he was just always like because he thought that Tora was the professor who was tight with the Fuhrer yes. so he didn't want to
0: do anything yeah, to get piss him trouble. off it always agrees with him um, he's blaming Schultz <laughs> yeah but Earhart and Schultz um, the former currying favor with higher ups while the latter takes the blame are clearly the inspirations for you know what much beloved TV characters um, uh, I don't know if you know uh, this show. Can I
1: give can you, can you give
0: me a hint? Uh, the it's a two word title, both uh, uh, words start with the letter H.
1: The Hollywood Hillbillies.
0: Hogan's Heroes. Have you ever heard of that? <sighs> yeah. Colonel Clank, like yeah, Sergeant Schultz. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Inspired by this movie. Um, huh. That was one of my dad's favorite shows Uh, Although Lubitsch treated his script With total respect He often found moments of inspiration on the spot For example At the end when uh, Colonel Earhart Goes behind a closed door to commit suicide The script indicates only that a shot rings out Lubitsch, however Added a topper Where Earhart Who has established a habit of yelling at his his assistant's name Before blaming him for his own mistakes Is then heard once again yelling Schultz, that is what we call the Lubitsch touch. That's what made him the best. Good job, uh, Lubitsch. <laughs> uh, best quote? Do you have any? Uh, you wrote down that we haven't already I, mentioned. Um. Hmm.
1: Tura is confronting the airmen and they're uh, in the apartment and uh, the airman says, you know, this is life and death. The super, it's an important situation. Your wife needs to help by going to seduce the professor and getting the documents. And Tura says, wait a minute, I'll decide who will my wife will have dinner with and who will she kill?
0: <laughs> uh, I've got a few. Uh- I think this is a great one. This is between Maria and Joseph. Maria says, it's becoming ridiculous the way you grab attention. Whenever I start to tell a story, you finish it. If I go on a diet, you lose weight. If I have a cold, you cough. And if we should ever have a baby, I'm not so sure I'd be the mother. Joseph, I'm satisfied to be the father. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rawich, well, what do you have to say for yourself now? Here's a man with a beard and you didn't even pull it. Uh, <laughs> Greenberg I think this is a life lesson We can take from it um, <laughs> When at the beginning Bronski's playing Hitler when he walks in He's not to say anything uh, He says hi on me uh, And hi the director Thinks that this is a very serious uh, Play in that uh, Playing it just for a laugh is something They shouldn't be doing and Which Greenberg Comes laugh. in and says a laugh Is nothing to be sneezed at I think mm. that's a life lesson um, i had then, a i don't know when it was
1: but um i think Tura was in disguise talking to someone um and that they talk Tura is talking himself up as a shakespearean actor and uh maybe it was schultz or something else and schultz is saying oh i've heard of Tura. uh <laughs> so, and what well, he did well, to
0: shakespeare we're now doing to poland <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: that's I like that one. <laughs> that's one that apparently was the cause of a lot of the the sort of insensitive criticism uh, at the time. People saw that as crossing the, the boundary a little too much. Um, eh, maybe <laughs> eighty years on, it's a hell of a laugh. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I think at the end, it was it was the right uh, joke to make. Um, well, that is all I have. I went a little too much on the genre theory than I expected, but do you think that you was it. enlightening at all, or was that just total rambling? I thought it was. I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, we I, we I can think, call that
0: film theory corner.
1: Yeah, film theory theory corner. So, uh, we liked this movie. Oh this yeah, movie good. But we we gotta close it off and go to Rich's TV corner. Ah. Pretty soon.
0: We can go ahead. We can go ahead and shut the the dicks fix segment and move on. Close the curtain on that and open it on the uh, dicks TV corner.
1: Here's what I'm watching, Carter. Welcome uh-huh. to Rexham. Are you watching that?
0: I watched the first two episodes and I thought it was all right, but yeah, I it, it was behind. fine.
1: It was fine. They were pretty cutthroat. Not cutthroat enough. I, I'd like to see them win, but uh, I don't see how they continue the series once Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney kind of like take a step back, yeah. which I guess is their end goal. Yeah, is to is to have the characters and players and team become their own thing. But I don't see that happening. Second thing, uh, are you watching Rings and Power or yes. the House of the Dragon?
0: I'm watching them both.
1: I'm thinking. They're kind of good yings and yangs in the fantasy realm. No, they are. Rings of power is a little bit lighter, but yes. I think
0: the main mystery of
1: who is the star man is keeping me going for rings of power. Not mostly. who's
0: Sauron. That's keeping me going. Oh, well, I, Everyone I see him can... like that's Sauron. No, that's Sauron.
1: <laughs> well, there's only one guy that they've introduced that I think is probably Sauron.
0: You think it's the Bron guy, whatever the guy's name is, the, the lost king, or do you think it's the Starman?
1: It's definitely not the Lost King. Uh, is the Isildur? No, 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 no,
0: no, no. The the guy who's uh, uh, Galadriel keeps trying to convince. No, him to he's a human. So? He's not.
1: He's not Sauron. I no, think he
0: might be Sauron. Have
1: you read the Silmarillion?
0: They don't have the rights to the Silmarillion, so nothing in the Silmarillion is relevant.
1: Shit. Okay. Well,
0: <laughs> I think you're wrong
1: because I don't. He's a man. Blah, blah, blah. But I do think Starman is uh, he's either Gandalf or Saruman. Surely he's Gandalf. I'm leaning towards Saruman, though.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: Yeah. Uh, Then House of the Dragon. You watching that?
0: Hot D, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I
0: I, I think Very different to Game of Thrones in its pacing.
1: They're just killing people. They're like, hey, here's this new person. They're dead
0: hey well game it, of thrones remember, would do that remember remember there's a, there a cult the, the leader episode? that the hound joins he's in it for like oh, 20 yeah. minutes and he's dead
1: i mean yeah game well, of thrones
0: has, did had, do that
1: had other commitments uh
0: <laughs> he had a tight then, schedule
1: you know Abbott elementary's back survivor's yes. back it's good time it's good time i do watch
0: here. Abbott elementary that's a really really funny show it uh, is good i recommend that to anybody um, it's on eight, the first season, at least. Is on HBO Max. You can watch that commercial free, but yep. otherwise, it's on ABC nine o'clock on Wednesday yep. Look at us plug in network TV.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. <laughs> it's tough for
1: me because Survivor's hour and a half this season, so I have. To, oh, really? Yeah, it's, I'm liking it. All the all the tribal drama it's going down.
0: But I'm not uh, much of a Survivor man myself.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to use the foot and steel. You're no Survivor man. <laughs>
0: I watched the the last couple of episodes of the last season. I wanted that young guy to win. I thought it was disappointing he didn't.
1: No, you can't. Uh, now I'd like to bring us to Rich. Rich has uh, takes on Movie Brats Corner. Uh, <laughs> Movie Brats went too hard on Nope. You guys you think so? You guys went too hard on it. I think, uh, but you know it's only it's because
0: fine. we have such high expectations for jordan Kilton. fine You're and ready? the and the public seems to exalt him like he is some mastermind well you
1: also went too hard on us us was cool okay? i didn't
0: like us at all
1: us was great <laughs> it was it was fun for a second watch like get out you can watch a bunch of times yes us, you can watch a bunch of times
0: uh nope, I feel like is a little bit too so you were artsy. you were riveted by the all the film stock discussion in Nope. <laughs> no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying maybe you're going too hard on Nope, but, but you definitely I, I went think too hard on, on, us. on us.
0: Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to us, revisit us.
1: Us is rewatchable um and fun. Okay. Nope.
0: It, nope. <sighs> like uh
1: Nope. i have a problem with
0: the the sort of reception of nope where you have these people on reddit who are like oh look at all this sort of stuff and that has all these meanings and nope all the posters mean this and that and i'm like if the whole point of the movie is just to like feed reddit the, like you know people analyzing every frame then that's not a movie i'm interested in first that's and foremost just- the movie should be entertaining
1: Wait, you never saw Room Two Thirty Seven? You never, you don't like <laughs> analyzing
0: film? No, what I've never this? seen this that. This is
1: a new. This is a new it's,
0: thing. It's, this is not analyzing film. This is like conspiracy. What's uh, the genre?
1: Digging for of stuff this? that.
0: <laughs> no, it isn't. This is not film theory quarter. This is like Reddit <laughs> incel corner. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like uh, uh
0: peeling on.
1: Yeah, peeling on basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> not for me. None of that for I me.
1: Know. I I think it was fine. It wasn't as bad as the movie
0: brats made it out to be.
1: Uh, no, I don't feel and, like
0: I wasted my money seeing it. But no, it was. Uh, it, it, you know, it, people it, talk about Jordan Peele like he's Stanley Kubrick and Stanley Kubrick. I think
1: not. my my main takeaway was that it was too much of a criticism on the movie industry. Like that's not something that really gets to the general public.
0: Like, <laughs> no. You
1: might yeah, be right the other two it were more about general the uh, general public things that people think about being replaced yeah. you know having some scary things in your nightmares racism bad yes. white people <laughs> yes this one was just about movies um so yeah I'd, I'd like you guys to reconsider uh any sort of mean things you say in the future
0: I'm, I'm sure Jordan Beale can take
1: it. I think he I'm think i listening. Yeah, but I'm listening and I will I will rebut the movie. The movie Bat Brat Rebut is what this corner will be called.
0: Okay. So. Your soapbox. <laughs> You've had your time on it. <laughs> Anything else? Have you seen Prey?
1: No, I have not seen Prey. Prey's yet.
0: great. If you have Hulu, I really recommend Prey. Well, Prey's awesome. Something. Uh, I watched Blonde. The other day we'll get a, a more of a review on a future oh. movie brats episode but Do boy is that a tough watch
1: yeah i heard <laughs> it was pretty
0: i can imagine a lot of people going oh on a day our let's watch they, this for a little bit no they're like thinking, ah like, what is
1: this
0: <laughs> nc-17 like skin and max
1: not like nc-17 no, th- to
0: be honest i have a hard time understanding why it's rated nc-17 Um, You see much more graphic stuff in Game of Thrones than you do in in Blonde, to be honest. So it's like, it's
1: more, from my understanding, it's more like human centipede NC-17, like gruesome stuff.
0: No, not at all. Nothing Uh like that at all. I mean, it's like, it's very serious about, you know, marital abuse and child abuse and, uh, you know, abortions and stuff like that. But it's not like you see anything that I think is like pornographic or... Uh, extremely Violent or anything like that um, It's Man. more just like Upsetting and unsettling um, But a very interesting movie I thought And a extremely Committed uh, lead performance And um, I thought she did The voice and the mannerisms exceptionally well But most people Have you ever seen a Marilyn Monroe movie? I assume not
1: uh, No. I, it, I bet I'm most sure.
0: people of our generation Haven't yeah. but you know They just like sort of know of her I think it's, it'll probably be a skip for me.
1: So I'm sure you it will. <laughs> bet it will. <laughs> you guys can say whatever you want about it. I you won't, won't, but, you won't but, have
0: strong thoughts defending uh, Andrew Dominic.
1: Yeah, but if you want to do that, meat Cute or something, uh, then then I'll have some thoughts. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Well, there's I'll a lot that. of
0: good stuff coming out in the near future. Uh, yeah. The trailer for the new tenthy Chalamet movie came out today. Bones and all. Looks crazy.
1: I. I haven't seen the trailer. I think I saw the poster and he looks like a child. Is he like aged down?
0: I don't know. Is I mean, like he he looks young anyway, but I think he's supposed to be like a teenager. Um, yeah. But hmm. looks crazy. Um, I'll say that much. Uh, well, <laughs> we've moved firmly off to be or not to be. Uh, right. It's available on HBO Max. I recommend this to anybody. I think it's one of the great comedies ever made. Uh, yep. So, am I still on a nice streak for you? You're enjoying all of these more than Umbrellas of Cherbourg.
1: <laughs> you just set the bar so low that everything <laughs> you've done after it has has surpassed. I had to, I
0: had to really take you out of your comfort zone on the first one. Show you something that you never would ever watch if it wasn't well, me making you watch it. It's
1: oh. it's spooky season, so I'm gonna find something spooky to take you out of your comfort zone because next Ooh. month is a Dick's Picks, right? It's-
0: Yes, it is. A Halloween-themed dicks pick to look forward to for the month of October. Yeah. Cool. We'll uh, Green Day said, wake we, me when up when September out. ends. We will just get under the deadline.
1: <laughs> uh, We're procrastinators. we procrastinators. We finish, but we just, you know. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly. Yeah. Like brushing your teeth, doing some push-ups. Or getting a podcast done.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, We will be back (laughs) with you next time.